This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Four minutes after 12 is the time and Mystery Hour is upon us. Your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. You know what we missed earlier, don't you? Should have given... Should have given Jamie a Ray Liotta. Should have having a chat. You mentioned Jamie Oliver on the radio. Jamie rings in. That is almost textbook Ray Liotta, but I felt it would have spoiled the tone and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to get Keith's special recipe tips. So how this hour of radio works is this. You ring in with a question, I banter with you for a bit, crack some hilarious jokes and drop some killing puns, and then someone else rings in with the answer. And it's magnificent. Uh, it's also uh, available in all manner of strange places now, this podcast. So if you're not listening live on the radio at the minute, then a particularly warm welcome to you. It's four minutes after 12 if you're listening live. And this is Mystery Hour. Um, uh, And the phone lines are full, so I don't think I need to do a a talk. Why why are the phone lines full? I must be doing something right today. It's all gone perfectly. Jinxed it. Jinxed it. Keith's going to set fire to his eyebrows later when he flames his pork chop. uh, I'm just going to crack on, and you can work out, if you're not familiar with it, how it works by dint of the fact that it's working. So we'll start with Barry, who's in Croydon. Barry, question or answer? Uh, Question, James. And by the way, keep up the good work. Good man, I'll do my best. I'll do my Thank best, you. Barry. You, I mean, you keep up... You, you, it's so refreshing to hear a media person tell the truth. Anyway, my question is, when does a murder become an assassination? How far up the pecking order do you have to be, have to be before you get assassinated rather than a murder? I don't think it's a pecking order. I think if it's done for political reasons, it's an assassination. Ah. Don't you? Okay. Ava's shaking her head, it, which is yeah, extremely yeah, bold, the... considering she's only been in situ for four days. Oh, there you are. Very, very bold. It's because, you know, we shouldn't make light of this when we actually start speaking of specifics. Uh, We can use Donald Trump as a reason to make light of it. So Donald (laughs) Donald Trump tweets that he has received more attacks than any American president in history. And somebody points out that four of them have actually been assassinated. Yeah, and, and that that word fits there because you're thinking of an American president. But if if anybody, and and then you think of. British politicians who were murdered by the IRA, like Airy Neve, Lord Mountbatten, they were assassinations. For my money, and I think under the technical terms of the definition, we'd have to say that Joe Cox was assassinated by a terrorist, a white supremacist in that case, because it was done for political reasons. So I think it's the the day of the jackal they were trying to kill de Gaulle. I think it's an assassination when it's been done for political reasons. I think, James, I think you're probably right, yeah. I'm wondering who would qualify for a Ray Liotta on this one, but it's a fairly dark avenue, and I don't think we should go down it, Barry. Agreed. Round of applause for me, please. Mind how you go. Thank you for the kind words. They are not compulsory. Bradley is in Twickenham. Bradley, question or answer? I've got a question for you, James. Carry on. Right. When I'm sat in my car and I look in the rearview mirror... Oh, hang on. No, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a motoring question. It is, yeah. <sighs> Do you drive, James? Do I drive? Does Lewis Hamilton drive? Carry on, Bradley. Right. When I'm sat in my car and I look in my rearview mirror, yes. the object seems further away. Yes. Yet, when I look in my wing mirrors, they seem closer. <laughs> so which mirror is accurate? I like that question. All right, I stand corrected. Oh, this is awful. I'm having so many slices of humble pie today. I shall be bloated by the time I get out of the studio. So you're you're right. The 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 the, the wing mirror is more accurate. 
How do you know? I don't. I'm just saying words. Out the window and look, it looks completely different again. So there's three different perspectives. Well, there's obviously some magnifying involved in the mirror, right? So when I when I go to overtake, I look at my rearview mirror. And I think, great, I've got plenty of rear. Then I look at my wing mirror and I think, I haven't. Yeah, but I trust the wing mirror, otherwise you'll have a crash. Well, I trust the wing mirror, but also, what's, what's, what's the point Keith, of the rear view? Keith's right? shaking his sure. head now. Why do we have two different perspectives is the real question, and which one is closer to reality, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I, I'm not... I'm not do you know what, Bradley? I don't know. You've clearly not been listening to the programme for many years, and that's absolutely fine. But the reason why I didn't like motoring questions historically was because I was actually, as you just suspected, I was a very late arrival in, yeah. in the world yes, of driving. Right. I only really learned to drive when Mrs. O'Brien was pregnant on the, I think, perfectly reasonable grounds that she wasn't prepared to drive herself to the labour ward when she, when she went into labour. So I was 32 when I learned to drive, and for me, I've always found motoring quite dull. But now I'm 47... It's not that dull anymore. No. And I really like your question. I don't know what that says about me or you. It says that we're, like, intrigued by wing mirrors. And mirrors. Well, that's what I was worried about, Bradley. It says that we're intrigued by wing mirrors, my friend. <laughs> and we will get you an answer. 12.09 is the time. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't. I was 34. Sorry. Fake news. Paul's in Westminster. Paul, question or answer? Oh, come off it. But, hello, James. Hello. It's a question. I guess Go on. <laughs> Right. Why, why Turn your radio talking? off. Turn your radio off now. I haven't got a radio off. What's though? that echo in the background? There's people in the back of my cab. Oh, I do apologise. Hello. Hello, customers. Give Paul a friendly <laughs> tip. Carry on. Right. <laughs> why does crossing of fingers symbolise uh, hopefulness? I've done this a million times. It's all right. I've got, I've got a new team, so I can't get too, I can't get too picky. It, it, it's actually quite straightforward when you think about it. It's a little prayer. A little prayer? What, crossing a finger is a prayer? Yeah, think about it. In the Christian church, what is yeah. what is an item of worship? Um, the cross. Oh, go. Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah, you see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got that, you see? Well, well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Do Dominus Vobiscum. Well, Round of applause for me. Thank you, Paul. Mind how you go. And God bless you. 12.10 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien's Mystery Hour on LBC. Where, given that I've got a new team in place, one, two, I didn't do the rearview mirror. Uh, have I ever done every single one myself? I have to go back through the annals. Keith's been listening since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. I've certainly had a go, but in recent years, I've stepped back from trying to answer all questions myself, but I'm in such an exuberant mood today, I can feel the old, I can feel the old magic creeping up on me. Lisa is in Great Yarmouth. Lisa, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Carry on, Lisa. Um, I want to know why babies, um, and again, why you grow um, into adults as well, why the bottom lip comes out and quivers when when they cry. Oh, that's a lovely question. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just enacting it. Mm. So, something yeah. If you, if you, does it happen automatically? Just, just, just pretend you just squint a bit, like close your eyes, like you were crying a bit. Does yours why? come out automatically, or am I imagining things? Um, it, it turns down, but it doesn't come out. But I know, like, when you're proper sobbing, um, and when babies especially, I mean, what, I mean, what teaches babies to quiver their bottom lip? It must be a... genetic. It must be something that they do that, that triggers a reaction from mum of care or concern. I'm not going to claim a round of applause for this one before anybody starts <laughs> writing to Ofcom again. However, um, I, I, it, must, it must be something to do with the reaction that it generates, don't you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I can understand why the bottom lip turns down and even why it comes out. Because like you said, if you try and look upset now, your bottom lip naturally comes out like a little bit. Yeah. But when you're crying and it kind of quivers or sometimes your bottom lip quivers even before the tears come out, it just seems like a strange reaction to, you know, to, to sadness and, and that kind of thing. So. It does. No, I like it. I like it. I shall try, try and find out for you. And I don't think we've ever had that one before. How's life in Yarmouth? We've, we've, hang on, don't go yet, because we, we're doing oh. we're, we're doing both ends of the seaside world. We've had Blackpool, and now we've got Yarmouth. So what's, what's new Yarmouth, in Yarmouth? Yarmouth wins. Yarmouth wins. Sea life. The, um, yeah, sea life. So now we've got the oldest wooden roller coaster in the world. Scares the life out of me. With a with with a break. Absolutely it's, terrifying. It's, it's, it's not electrical at all. There's a guy in the middle with a handbrake and, and he slows you down. I know. Thinking. It's a proper old-fashioned little park, that, isn't it? Yeah, a proper old-fashioned yeah, yeah, little... Yeah. Uh, I get to Galston sometimes as well. I like, that's I like, that's I, actually where I live. No I way. great Yarmouth. because you thought that this lefty <laughs> metropolitan liberal media elite wouldn't have heard of Galston, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you were wrong, Lisa. It is a classic, but, you know, you ask most people they've never heard of Goldstone, but it is Norfolk's little gem, definitely. Well, they have now. Lisa, they, they have now. 12.13 is the time. Get yourself to Galston after having a go on the uh, the most terrifying, or the most rickety roller coaster in, in the British seaside. Uh, 12.13 is the time. So we want to know why babies stick their bottom lip out when they're crying. And it's not just babies. We all do it. If I tell you now to look like you're crying, first thing you do is stick your bottom lip out, isn't it? Like that. Uh, and why did the rearview mirror and the wing mirror... Oh, get me, petrol head. I'll be presenting Top Gear before you know it. Why does the rearview mirror and the uh, wing mirror have a different... What's the word I want? It's not perspective. Different depth? There's a word for it. Anyway, you you get it. Mike's in Leatherhead. Mike, question or answer? Answer. Carry on, Mike. OK, uh, I'm the driving instructor. I've been doing it for 35 years. I think we Your know where we're going with this one, then. You haven't rung in to talk to me about baby's bottom lips, have you, Michael? No, I no, haven't. No, you no, haven't. Carry on. OK, right. Interior mirror is flat and gives a true reflection of distance. Exterior mirrors are convexed and give a distorted distance. To make things look nearer so that you act more safely. If you've ever been to the States and you look in a wing mirror in the States, it's etched onto the glass. Objects in this mirror are closer than they appear. Is that right? I won't actually point out that only the Americans need reminding every time they look, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Round of applause for Michael. That's great work, and you've already told me your qualifications. Fantastic. I, to get a Rayleigh Otter, if anyone's confused, Mike would have to have been the person that invented the convex wing mirror in order to change the perspective on the passing traffic to ensure greater levels of safety. Wayne's in Colchester. Wayne, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Carry on. That's t- you realise Wayne in Basildon is going to be gutted. He's going to think you're nicking his act. You're, you're ringing him from just <laughs> up the road with the same name during Mystery Hour, which he likes to think of as his personal fiefdom. This is only going to end in tears. <laughs> Carry on, Wayne. Question or answer? Um, it's a question, please. Um, I just wanted to know, me and my wife are big gin fans, but <laughs> we're really annoyed that you can only get tonic bottles in uh, one, like, dinky little one-litre size. I just wondered why that is. You you can buy a litre, you can buy big litre bottles of it. Yeah, but if you look you, at... You, want, you, you, you mean, why can't I get, get a Coca-Cola-sized portion of tonic? That's right. I think it's just because you... Well, I, I'm afraid to say, Wayne, the answer to this might be that you and your wife aren't quite as big a gin fans as you think you are, because the, I, I presume that the idea is, with a with a decent measure of gin, that's the amount of tonic you need for a single drink. 
if you still want to be able to taste the gin. If you poured a whole can of Coke into a, into a, you don't really have gin and Coke, but you might have rum and Coke. If you put, or, or Jack Daniels and Coke, don't drink kids. If you poured a whole can of Coke into your Jack Daniels or your rum, you wouldn't be able to taste the Jack Daniels or the rum. And if you poured a 330 mil measure of tonic water into your uh, sixth of a gill or, or, or third of a gill of gin, you wouldn't be able to taste the gin, mate. But I, but say you're, you're drinking at home, you've got your big bottle of, uh, I can't mention the brand. Can yeah, I? No, you can. They um, might send me some. Go on. <laughs> so you've got your big bottle Bombay of Gordon's. No, Gordon's. I don't want Gordon's. I want Sipsmith, mate. Seriously, I live in okay. Chiswick. You <laughs> might be necking Gordon's down in Colchester. I want a bottle of Sipsmith, thank you very much. Or something, something artisan that tastes of lavenders. <laughs> Carry on, mate. Go on. <laughs> Well, you want to make a night of it, so you're not just pouring out of the dinky cans. <laughs> yeah. You've got your litre bottle. Yeah, but it, then it will go flat, pal. That can't be the Of course it is. It's, it's it. a measure for one drink. And if you if you opened a tinny of tonic, if you opened a but tinny what, of what tonic... what about the bottles? What? The litre bottles? Yeah, but you can put the lid back on that if you really want to. But that was my original answer to your question, that you, I felt rather rudely rejected. <laughs> So that's how it works. It's a measure for a, a single drink, and it stays fizzy. So okay. you've got you get you get. A, I mean, I go for the Fever Tree myself rather than the Schweppes. You get a little six pack of Fever Tree, and you, you open a new bottle for every for every drink. You're guaranteed both fizziness and perfect proportion, perfect proportionality of spirit to mixer. You really are revealing yourself as the uh, lefty liberal elite today, James. Sip Smith and Sip Smith and Fever Tree, mate. I know it's terrible. It's terrible. Wait till, wait till <laughs> I tell you. London centric. Tell you what my favourite crisps are. I tell you, we're calling the style police. Uh, round of applause for. Uh, do you accept that answer, Wayne? Um, You've got to. I don't really want to, but but you know you have to. Ask me what my quali- right. qualifications are. What are your qualifications? Mostly vodka. <laughs> round of applause for me. <laughs> Thank you. 12.17 is the time. Actually, I say that. I've been, been a bit off my game lately on the vodka. I've been drinking a bit of Malbec of an evening, a nice glass of red wine. I shall I should, I should make amends this weekend. I shall get back on the vodka. Um, back on the vodka wagon. Time for a break. This is LBC. Mystery Hour on LBC with James O'Brien. It's 12.21. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where Mystery Hour continues. I I, I make no apologies for knocking it out of the park today, uh, answering almost every question, but here are some ones that still need answers. Um, Why do babies stick their bottom lip out? That's it, is it? That's the only one. So I got four out of five so far. Should I have another thing? Because I've already had a crack at the... Oh, no, rearview mirror. Michael got that. Well done, Michael. Good work. The only question still in need of an answer is the one about why babies stick their bottom lip out when they're crying. Uh, or indeed adults. But if we begin with the babies, it'll probably apply equally to the adults. 12.21 is the time. Steve is an asker. Steve, question or answer? Question, please. Carry on. Why is a carpenter's pencil flat when a normal pencil is round? I know this as well, but I've literally just worked it out. I didn't even know that was called a carpenter's pencil, but it's so obvious, Stephen. Oh, go on then. Well, use your noodle. Come on. I don't know. It's wondered, I've wondered about it for ages. Right, let's do some role play. Let's pretend that we're okay. working together as carpenters, all right? So I'm doing some sawing. You're, yeah. you're my mate. You're my carpenter's mate. Steve, the carpenter's mate. Are you ready for this role? I'm ready. Pass us your pencil, Steve. 
There you are, James. Thank, my flat pencil. Thank you very much, Steve. I'm just going to mark off where I'm going to saw next, and I'll give you back your pencil, Steve. Could you just rest it on that sloping plank of wood over there? I could, James. Is it going to roll away, Steve? It's not going to roll away, James. What? But I don't think that's the definitive answer. Get, get. Is there more to it? Oh. I think there probably is, James, yes. Having said that, I think we're both up for a BAFTA. Because most pencils aren't exactly round. They're multi-faceted. They're multi-edged, aren't they? Well, OK, then. Steve, pass me a ruler. Yes, James. No, you say, I haven't got one. I, I say, have you got a flat pencil I could use instead of a ruler? <laughs> You're not having that either, are you? No, I'm not, James, no. <laughs> you did. Well, I think you did. Someone else might ring in with the answer that I've already provided, but I shall put it on the board, my friend. Why right, is a you. carpenter's pencil flat, as in the flat ridges, as opposed to round, which I presume we're all working on the presumption I don't need to explain the meaning of. Neil is in Swansea. Neil, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on. It's a political one, so but I'll avoid the um, any, any political parties. Um, <laughs> why do MPs have surgeries? Why is it called a surgery? Oh, what a lovely question! I, we can work out the answer, can't we? But can that's we? not good. Well, it, 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 no, actually, we can't. I, did they used to do it in doctors' surgeries, or, or does it know. simply mean a place that people come to to consult a a so-called expert? Mm, and yeah, I, exactly. I genuinely don't know. What a lovely question. Yeah, yeah you're on. Okay. No, you're well, absolutely that's on. That's the wife's question, so um, you can, she's like the credit for that one. Why didn't she ring in? Oh, she, she's, yeah, she's scared of you, James. She's scared of me. I'm a pussycat. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, I shall find out for you and you. What's your wife's name? It's Cheryl. For you and Cheryl. We shall find out why the um, why, why surgeries are called surgeries. And you could ask the same question about doctors, but we know that a, a doctor practices in a surgery. Why do we call an MP's uh, regular meeting with constituencies where constituencies can go to present their problems? Ah, well, they go to present a problem and the MP tries to fix it, so there's a medical perhaps. But I love that question. When and why? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need. So we have got baby's bottom lips and surgeries. Is that and carpenter's pencil? Crikey, how could I have forgotten that? I can't imagine what else the answer could be apart from the one I already provided. But Keith is looking very gnomic today. He's looking very gnomic, as if as if he know like Yoda, as if answer to this knows he. Jacob's in Stoke Newington. Jacob, question or answer? Question, James. Carry on, First time caller. You're very really nervous. Thank, don't be. It's only mystery, Aaron. It's only me. Okay, so it's basically why does it smell after we cut the grass? I think. I think it's. I mean, because because the because it's cut. I mean, the the chemicals in the you. This is. It's like. It's like you can imagine if grass bled, right? Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to smell the blood, would you, until you cut the grass? Mm. No, you don't sound very impressed, Jacob. No, I don't. But I think that... Um, let me try again. Um, it, 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 it's like the grass has got a, a covering on it, which stops the smell from escaping. So when you cut it, the smell escapes. A bit like Tupperware or or a prophylactic of sorts. No, I don't think so. No. no. So you? Why uh, should it have a smell in the first place? Like. But why does uh, anything have a smell? That's a silly question. Yeah. I don't know. 
Also, it, it lures insects to pollinate, perhaps. All right, why does it smell when Jacob cuts the grass? You're on. I, I apologise for trying to answer that one. I should have been a little bit more modest. Yeah. But, you know, I've got bills to pay. Jacob, thank you. Um, that was a terrible phone line. Was he all right? Or was he in a sort of nuclear reactor when he, when he made that call? On a plane. Steve's in Southgate. Steve, um, question or answer? Uh, question, please. Carry on. Some churches have spires and some have kind of square turrets. Yes. Yeah, like... And I was driving back from Chiffnall, and uh, I noticed it was more up north. So is it a normal Chiffnall in like? Shropshire? Yes. Oh. Nice part of the world. What were you doing there? It is. Uh, Make 60th. Oh, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. And, of course, you get a lot of, I mean, that, that rural... Uh, Shropshire is one of the, I think, one of the least appreciated oh, counties beautiful. in our islands, yeah. isn't it? But you get a lot of... Um, Pevsner had a lot to say about churches in Shropshire. So you, you noticed a... a Difference between the round a lot steeple. Of, uh, coaching in ills in there. That's right. Yeah, as well. yeah that's yeah. right. But yeah, I just you know, the closer I got to London, the more the churches had spires. Oh, okay. So you were getting a square tower on a church in the countryside, uh, and the know. closer you got to London, the more they were becoming round and pointy. Yes. Like upside down ice cream cones. <laughs> for yeah. anybody who's ever made a fairy castle for their sons or daughters' birthdays, that's upside down. Christ, green kinds do a lot of they do a lot of work. I could tell you that for nothing. I love that question. I, I mean, obviously, every single person listening is going to recognise what you've described, but only a tiny number, perhaps, are going to know the answer. Is there might not be a difference, but it's pres- ease of building. Yeah. I mean, it must be easier to build a square tower than a round one, mustn't it? I don't know. No, surely not. We shall find out for you, Steve. I like that one. Thank you very much. You're, you're very welcome. Why are some spires, why are some church towers square and other ones are spires, circular? Uh, 12.28 is the time. And Mark is in Barnsley. Mark, question or answer? Question, James. Carry on, Mark. Can you tell me why are some villages and towns twinned with other villages and towns in different parts of the world? Yes. Who does it and are there any perks? Yes, yes and yes. I can tell you. I do know who does it, and there are perks. In fact, the perks constitute the answer to the first bit of the question. The councillors get to go on lovely jollies with the (laughs) towns and cities with which they are twinned, and they are reciprocated, so they get a free holiday out of it. You also get a little bit of cultural cooperation and what have you, and it is arranged by your local authorities, whether municipal or county councils back in the day, or whatever it may be. That's it. Correct. You you, you might get... no, nothing. No, no perks at all. Nothing at all. All right. <laughs> it, it's twenty nine minutes after twelve. Um, oh three four five six. Is that all right, Mark? That's a, I mean, I think that's a good answer. Which okay, never mind. It's coming up to half past twelve. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Lisa Aziz is here now with the headlines. History Hour with James O'Brien. This is LBC. 12.34 is the time. We're, we're, we're playing a game. Um, a game we play every Thursday, but a game that assumes particular significance when it is an election day, because it limits what you can talk about the rest of the time. And it is a game in which we celebrate education, illumination and elucidation by inviting you to ring in with a question. It can be silly or serious, scientific or... Not scientific. Uh, and someone else will hopefully ring in with the answer. So we've answered, I say we, I use the term very loosely. I've answered loads today. Um, 
There might have been another element to the to the town twinning question. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold my round of applause on that because oddly enough, the town with which Kidderminster is twinned, my hometown. Uh, does lend some support to the theory that has been sent in by Liam and others about what the origins of twinnings may be. So we'll leave that one on the board. I won't claim my round of applause for that. Why does it smell when we cut the grass? Or more specifically, why does it smell when Jacob cuts the grass? Uh, why is a MP's regular opportunity to meet with constituents called a surgery? I like that one, but I'm not sure we'll get an answer. Uh, and why do babies stick their bottom lip out when they are crying? And why are some church towers square and other church towers round? It might not have any significance or meaning, but I've got a funny feeling it will. So hopefully you'll be able to tell us. Oh, and why is a, why does a carpenter's pencil have flat edges? There's quite a lot to get through there. I may have been patting myself on the back a little prematurely for knocking it out of the park. James is in Tunbridge Wells. James, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, James. Uh, it's the uh, carpenter's pencil. Excellent. Yes, I, I'll, I'll give you a point for the obvious answer. <laughs> I'll get you. It wasn't obvious to Steve, though. It was obvious to Steve, wasn't it? To stop it rolling yes. away. Exactly. Yes. There are a number of different things you can do with carpenter's pencils. Pardon? Um, is it, hang on, this is a family programme. <laughs> Go on. Don't worry. Carry on. It's all safe. Yes. Um, they, are, they can be used as a, a measuring implement um, in as much as their dimensions are the same, uh, no matter where you get them. They're half inch wide and a quarter of an inch thick. So even though money. you've used it a lot, it's the it's the width and the thickness. It doesn't matter about the length. That's very true. Got it. I like that. So that comes in useful when you're a carpenter for carpenting. It's a, <laughs> it certainly does. There are a, a, a number of other things you can oh, yeah, use carpenter's pencil. Well, the lead. If you can, if you th- uh, look at the end of the carpenter's pencil, the lead is the same shape as the the whole um, profile, but smaller, obviously. Oh, yeah. So you can sharpen it blunt, if that makes any sense. Um, so you can use it on rough surfaces such as brick or concrete. Because you've got a really, pardon my French, you've got a really thick nib, so to speak. Exactly. It doesn't blunt um, a normal pencil lead uh, as quickly. Obviously it will, but not as quickly. Oh, love it. Are there qualifications? I think I know. I, I do carpentry. There you go. Round of applause for James the Carpenter. Thank you very much indeed. No, thank you very much. What an enjoyable question and answer that was. Uh, 12.38 is the time, and Joe is in Doncaster. Question or answer, Joe? Uh, answer. Carry on. Uh, it's the, the why does grass smell? Yes. Um, it's the plants release a chemical, grass release a chemical when it's caught um, that actually helps deter herbivores. It's the the chemical that comes off is like a warning to other grass plants that it's being eaten, and it helps it allows them to start building toxins up in the leaves. Seriously? So it, it yeah, it's it's why you might oh, see know. like a herd of sheep grazing in a spot, and then all of a sudden they'll just walk across to another patch. They won't keep moving in the same bit of grazing. It's just the the plants have released enough toxins to actually start. Warning them away. That Doesn't work sense. very well, does it? Looking, I mean, not being glib, but looking at cows and sheep and stuff. It, I mean, it, that, yeah, but it's, the, it's the reason why they have to have so many chambers in the stomach and have to eat it so many times. Oh, so they can actually. So, oh, I see. The, so they've both evolved. 
the, 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 well, the eater all, and the eaten have evolved over the years to where we are now. Like predator and prey. Yes, it? exactly. It, it's the way it's worked. That is one of my favourite answers yeah. ever on Mystery Hour, and that, that is really saying something, Joe. I, 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 I love that question, and Jacob's going to love it as well, and I'd like to apologise to both of you for, for faffing around with my half-cut answer, which now I'm frankly embarrassed to recall. I was kind of right, but, I mean, why was I talking about prophylactics, for heaven's sake? It's just not decent. Qualifications, Joe? Uh, I'm a golf greenkeeper. I'm actually currently sat in a lawnmower, um, and at one point I was the youngest uh, head greenkeeper in the country. Are you angling, mate? Maybe a little bit. Go on. Yeah. I'm Ray Liotta, <laughs> and you're listening to James <laughs> O'Brien on tight. LBC. I tell you, that is weak, but you can have it. You build it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you're very welcome. 12.40 is the time. Where, where's the golf course? Uh, it's Bawtree Golf Course. Bawtree. The, the crown yeah. in Bawtree still. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, still that, is that the one with the moat? You go over a little bridge uh, to get into it. No. I'm getting um, confused. I can't think what that one's called now. No, but um, there is one in Bawtree like that, isn't there? Yeah, well, there's, there's a few. Well, my dad, my dad covered the miners' strike back in the day, and the, mm. the Crown in Bawtree was always his favourite place to stay. It's, and we used to live in Doncaster. My first house was in Burg Wallace. So it's almost certain that some of Mum's old mates play golf on, on your course. Small world, eh? Yeah. <laughs> my there you go, Joe. Neris. A lovely name. Is in Bishop Stortford. Neris, you. you're very welcome. Question or answer? <laughs> it's question, please. Oh, hang on. We didn't give Joe a round of applause, Keith. We did. Oh, well done. At least there's one professional working on this programme. <laughs> Carry on, Neris. Hiya. Um, so, when I was younger and I was doing my Duke of Edinburgh expedition, yeah. volunteering, um, or actually it was a skill, I learnt to do bell ringing oh. in the church. Oh, cool beans. And I'm wondering, at the end of a bell rope, which yes. is where you do the hand stroke, there's a piece of what was carpet then that was called the sally. I yeah. just want to know why it's called a sally. Oh, that's nice. It's there, presumably, to stop you getting a rope burn or something like that, is it? Or, or yeah, yeah, I think so. To act as a sort of break. The, the rope kind of jumps, jumps out the hand at the end of the stroke, but I'm just wondering where the word Sally came from. That's lovely. Did you keep up your bell ringing? Uh, I'd like to say I did, but I think I got a bit cool, so no, <laughs> I didn't. That's really bad against all the bell ringers at the moment. But, but I not. didn't I mean, keep it up, it's, it's, no. You're unlikely to... You're unlikely to pull much by telling your tales of bell ringing. I, I understand. That's a really bad pun. Yeah, really pull. Bad pun. Pull? It wasn't a deliberate pun, but there you go. They're getting pointed out. <laughs> I didn't even, even know. I'm not aware of them myself. I love. I always fancy bell ringing. Did you ever accidentally take off? Because that's one of the occupational hazards, isn't it? Oh, a couple of times in easy because you weren't supposed to look up at the bell, and I kept doing that, and I was awful. I won't lie. I don't even know how I managed to pass that as a skill. But Was it bronze? Uh, I did enjoy it. It was good. It was bronze, yes. yes. Right. Time Carry on. Long I love that question. A lovely question. Thank you, Neris. Why, why is it called a sally, the, the, the kind of carpety bit at the bottom of a rope, a bell rope? Extra point, if you can tell me what the uh, practice of bell ringing is called. No, Keith, not for you. Campanology. Hattie is in Camden. Hattie, question or answer? Uh, it's the question, James. Carry uh, on. Firstly, also just really uh, nice to speak to you. I've been a long-time listener. Likewise. My, Thank you, Hattie. My question is, uh, mm. what is the kind of origin, or when did we start sleeping in bed? When did we start sleeping with a duvet and a fluffy pillow? Well, hang on. There's two mattress. very different questions there. <laughs> so, I mean, the origin of a bed would have been, I mean, pretty much as soon as... I, I mean, did you just put a, pull something over you like an animal skin when you were sleeping because it kept you warm? But when did we start having a bed? Who was like, well, now we need to have, you know, 
a bed rather than just... Right, now, now we've got there, Hattie, you see. You needed a little bit of work. You needed a good editor. But we've got there now. We've got a really good question. When was the first bed made? Yeah. Where did it, where, who, who came up with that? Yeah, I'd like oh, to no, know. I love that. So forget about duvets, and because I was going to start talking about putting down reeds, pulling oh, an okay. animal skin over yourself and all that malarkey. We just want to know when the first bed was recorded, the first recorded bed. Yeah, I'd like to know. So would I now. Can you find out? Well, I'll try. I, I'm not holding Thank out a you. great amount of hope, because it's probably one of those things that's lost in the mist of time. But you never know. An archaeologist, the earliest known bed. What a lovely question. That's a really lovely question. Um, 03456060973. What do you mean it's Sam's question? How can it be Sam's question if Hattie asked it? I get so confused by these things. 12.44 is the time. Mitch is in Croydon. Mitch, question or answer? Uh, answer, James. Carry on, Mitch. James, lovely to speak with you as, as always. Um, James, yes. um, uh, Norman churches uh, have square towers, anything built, built after the Norman period. Um, before that, generally round towers were made of flint. Right. Uh, and so it's to do with building materials. So um, in places where there is suitable building materials and money, then you get square towers because obviously it's very difficult to make um, corners out of flint if you mix it with mortar. But if you actually build something out of stone, it's much easier to build a, a rectangular shape. Makes perfect sense. So post-Norman will be what? Post-Norman will be square, so a square tower. Oh, so so so, so the rounded towers will be older than the square towers. Correct. Oh gosh, really, really? Yeah. Ten sixty six. Yes. Pre ten sixty six. Yes. I'm not having yeah, it. Yeah, there's a there's a there's about um, most of them actually found round towers in places like East Anglian counties, like uh, yes. Cambridge, so, uh, Suffolk, and Norfolk. Yes. And there's uh, and there's are about. Um, about 190 to 200 towers. Oh, uh, no, towers. OK, we've got confused because you're talking about round towers and square towers. You're not actually talking about steeples. No, well, you don't count those as a tower. No, well, I did, fire. mate, because I'm not an expert. So I was thinking a steeple. So a steeple is post-Norman. Uh, m- most steeples are post-Norman. But in but fact, they're mostly towers... ni- 18th, 19th century. You've got a kind of Correct. gothic thing going yeah, on with a steeple. A steeple or a Absolutely. spire. But a church Correct. tower, yeah. if it's square... Yeah. It's, it's not... post-Norman. That's so lovely. that period between Norman and Gothic, you get square towers. And Shropshire in particular would be... Uh, with Shropshire in particular, those sort of counties will have They're... square towers because they've got more money after the Normans landed generally. But no, the rural ones, churches. the rural ones, he, he, will have seen, he will have seen round towers, won't he? As he was making his way through particularly deepest, darkest Shropshire. I think he mentioned he saw square tower, didn't he? I thought it was the other way around. I thought they got square as he came closer to London. But either way, you've, you've answered the question, whichever way round my memory may be. Qualifications? I love that answer. I used to uh, be a lecturer in history. Oh, that'll do. Round of applause for Mitch. I knew that. 12.46. Mystery Hour on LBC with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060973. is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. We're looking to find out why the regular meetings between an MP and his or her constituents is called a surgery. Uh, why is the piece of carpet at the bottom of a bell rope called a sally? So first recorded incidents of a bed. And why do babies stick their bottom lips out when they are crying? That, I think, is everything, isn't it? 
I think. And I've got Fun Lines free. The reason I'm doing this now is that if you ring in, then um, you because you've got an answer, then you're in with a better than evens chance of getting on air. But you must be very, very confident of your answer because I will ask you what your qualifications are. And if they are not good, then you will be nationally and publicly humiliated. If they are good, you'll get a lovely round of applause. So if you can answer any of these questions, why is it called a sally, the bit of sort of buffer carpet on the end of a bell-ringing rope? The first recorded incidence of a bed. I've had a biblical answer, but I don't generally take texts, tweets or emails during um, Mystery Hour. The etymology question this week revolves around surgery and why the word um, that for most of us has entirely medical connotations also applies in the world of politics and the question I thought we'd get an answer to but the, the sticking out of the bottom lip when we're crying either specific to babies or not doesn't matter does it but if you can answer any of those the number you need is 03456060973 James is in Manchester James question or answer answer please carry on so surgery actually just means any work done by hand so any work done personally by hand really so, yeah so it's it's from the Greek it's from, um, I think, Kiro, Kiro Gia, uh, okay. from what I remember. Yeah. Um, so, and it's basically just work done by hand. Um, so it's any work done personally. And, that's and therefore a personal meeting with your MP, rather than having to go through the office and deal with somebody else. Um, yeah. I, I, qualifications? I'm a surgeon. So when I was at medical school, and actually later than that, because we still get taught, they bring up the first uh, PDF or whatever it be, and then they they usually kind of reel off the where does surgery come from, where does the word surgeon come from, and it's work done by hand. And yeah, handy work, yeah. hand work, uh, yeah, kier, work. Kier. kier, Greek word for hand, kier, kier, It's ki, it's ki, kier, kier, ergon, kier, kier. Uh, uh, work, uh, dulia, dulia, no, not dulia. That's a modern Greek word for work. Yeah, I, I think you've gone. I, by Jove, James, I think you've gone and done it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much so, all so, it is, just work done by hand, and especially because originally surgeons here, it was all done barbers. And I, so I, all, original surgeons were done by barbers because they, they did all the stuff by hand. Doctors didn't do any surgery earlier on, so it was all the stuff done by hand. Apothecaries would be giving out herbs and spices and what have you, but the yeah, surgeons would be so the ones with that, the saw bones. They didn't do any of the surgery. The saw bones. Yeah. And I wonder if the political origin roots were in ancient Greece as well, where the meeting with the... It doesn't matter now, you've nailed it. You've done it. That's a really lovely answer. Um, and it gets you a round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's 12.53 and we are currently cooking with gas, but I have to tell you there are only five or six minutes left to get a full board of answers and we need to know why the thing at the end of a bell ringing rope is called a sally. I thought that one would be quite straightforward. 0345 we would like the first recorded incidence of a bed. The number remains the same. And the question about babies sticking out their bottom lips. And if you don't ring in with answers to those, then I will end the programme by singing today, or, or in the spirit of our lovely conversation earlier, uh, possibly sharing some of my favourite recipes. So be warned. Uh, Charlie is in Sutton Coalfield, spelt by my young producer Sam as if it was actually a coalfield. Uh, carry on, Charlie. Oh, hi, nice to talk to you. First time caller in. You're very you welcome. Welcome aboard. What, what have you got yeah. for me? Well, basically, sadly, it was to do with the church spires, which I think you've had an answer to, but I disagree with the answer given. That's what we call a steward's inquiry. In, 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 yeah. In, 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 so, I, you, I mean, to be clear, he was pointing at the 
square tower. There was a distinction between towers and spires. So I yes. got you, you followed all of that. So what do you yeah. think? He, what do you think Mitch got well, wrong? Well, as, as much as I agree with him in terms of the manufacture of the you know the production of the building, and he's quite correct in terms of the round towers and the square. Oh, good. Uh, square towers. Where I where I wanted to see if the actual the answer was was where you have a square tower. And on the top of the square tower, many of these churches used to have a round spire made of wood. Oh. And in the rural areas, this would frequently become damaged and then it would fall over, and it was never repaired. And the reason why I know this is because the church in Kidworth Beecham, where I grew up as a child, yeah. uh, used to have a spire, and it fell over in the 19th century, and a young girl on her way home from school jumped over the top of the spire that was on the floor. And she uh, went home and told her mum and was told off for telling such silly stories. Well, and that's and, why it's and always stuck in my head. That's like um, sort of local folklore, is it? Well, it had actually, it had, the photograph of it, it actually had fell over in the storm. Um, why, did she, wonder, and her mom, why didn't her mum believe her? Well, would you believe it if your son came over and said, I've jumped over the weather vane on top of the church? Oh, I see, because your mum thought it was still on top of the church. Correct. I love this. Correct. That's like, do you do that thing ever? Where you say to a child, "Can you stick your tongue out and touch your nose?" That's it. It's exactly the same yeah. as that, isn't it? It's like a, a verbal illusion almost. I love so, that. So like, my, my answer would be that a lot of these square towers probably used to have spires, but because they were damaged and fell over, and because they're in rural areas where there isn't obviously the wealth to rebuild them, they sure. stay square. I don't think you 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 refute anything that Mitch said. I think you've just added no. more knowledge to the answer he already provided. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Pleasure of your show. Oh. Enjoy it very much. Oh, hang on then, Charlie. Please accept a round of applause with my compliment. <laughs> That's a lovely art. That's really lovely. Kibworth Beecham is one of those little villages. It's in Leicestershire, I think, that you would never get a foreigner to be able to spell. I'm going to ask Sheila Fogarty. How do you spell Kibworth Beecham? Oh, it'll have a secret L and M in it somewhere, won't it's it? Just the Beecham bit that's tricky, but you probably oh. know, actually. Oh, Beauchamp. Beauchamp, beautiful fields. <laughs> so we've got another Norman connection there. God, you learn a lot when you pay attention to this programme. Giles is in Truro in Cornwall. Giles, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on. It's the Sally question. Oh, um, yes. The word originates from a French word, which means the action of a jumping rope. So that's why they called it the Sally. But one of our older bell ringers used to call it a fillet as well, which I believe he explained as another rope term for meaning something to do with a corded rope. Well, I never. So you are a bell ringer? I am, yes, yeah. How did you get into it? Uh, my dad, my dad um, taught me to ring when I was quite young. And you still do it every Sunday, do you? Yes, uh, yeah. Are you in church at the moment? Uh, no, what's, at work. What's that noise in the background? Uh, I don't know, it's something else at work. Oh, OK. Oh, well, I've qualifications bell ringer. Sally, French word meaning a giant to, to Sally, like a verb. Yeah, it was, well, the French word is salure. Salure. And then it becomes a Sally. Well, do you know, oddly enough, that brings us back to both the Norman church towers, and, and I wonder when bells first appeared. Was it after the... There'll be part of the answer to that, won't it? Would have actually involved bells. I didn't realise at the time a square tower you can put bells in. Anyway, I'm just waffling, Giles. You get a round of applause for a beautiful answer. Thank you. No, thank you. And get back to work. Seriously, this country isn't going to run itself. Uh, Steve's in Horsham. Steve, question or answer? It's an answer. Carry on. Um, your question about why does babies roll their bottom lip or curl their bottom lip? When they're crying. I, when they're crying. Mm. I was told this um, 
by a midwife many years ago oh, when yes. I was having my son's vaccinations done that the reason they curl their bottom lip when they're crying is because due to this, all the emotions going through them at that moment, it helps the mother soothe them when she latches them on. It helps them latch on to their mother. Otherwise, if they didn't roll their bottom lip, they couldn't get soothed by a bottle or by mum, and they wouldn't be able to feed and relax them. I'm buying that. Why are you laughing? That's what she know. told me. Because because it could, it might be true. It might be a load of old nonsense. Yeah, but you try so you try. Pardon me, Sheila Fogarty, but you try sucking your teat without curling your bottom I've lip. I've watched your face for the last thirty seconds, and I'm going to leave that to you if that's okay. Yeah, carry yeah. on, Steve. Okay. Round of applause. <laughs> And do you know, that's brought us in bang on 12.59, except we haven't done the... We've done them all, except the bed. There's a biblical reference, as Sheila Fogarty will know, when when Joseph went to visit Jacob when he was dying. Pick up your bed and walk. Yeah, was that the first recorded mention of a bed? In, in, in Certainly in... Well, anyway, it's not enough for a round of applause. That's it from me for another day. Thank you for a lovely show. We'll do it all again tomorrow from 10. Here is Sheila Fogarty. Thanks very much, James.